Johnny football out of the receiver line and put him in at quarterback at AM and was the only guy on Pat Mahomes out of White House, Texas, mm. and was the first guy to offer Shane Bouchelle. Cliff knows offense. You just got to – he's perfect in the NFL because – except that he hooked his wagon to Kyler Murray. Oh. Killer Kyler. Mm-hmm. Coach Killer Kyler. And, and Cliff also smells like a freshly tossed salad, according to Bucky oh. Godbolt. That's one of the most suspect things he's said. And he's been – he's said a lot of things since he's been in the game. But that one right there, wow. Oh, wow. Hating <laughs> on my man, Cliff. Oh, man. All right, love fellas. Me some, love me some Cliff Kingsbury. He's a good show. Have a great day. Great show. Great weekend, boys. Talk to y'all three. Appreciate you. Hey, in the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice. And we're happy you're spending some time with us. Chip and Zay, one to three right here in the midday on Texas Sports Unfiltered. And Zay, we got uh, got a few headlines today in addition to all of our incredible just banter that we will um, get into. But my man Ryan Watts kind of got lit up. Well, he didn't get lit up. But <laughs> he was on the losing team in the East-West Shrine game. And I saw him make a tackle. I did watch long enough to see him make a tackle when I was flipping between the Texas women who beat Baylor. Yo, man. What up, Vic? I see you, Vic. Vic. Throw that zone at him. Throw that match zone at him. That zone was nice. That zone was crazy. That zone, I couldn't even figure it out. I was looking. (laughs) I was looking hard. I was like, what kind of zone is this? Because... It weren't normal just like, you know, assignments that you see in like a normal Jim Beheim type, two, three. Like it was nothing like that. Those girls were going everywhere depending on who they were matched up with and, you know, offensively for Baylor. So if a girl from Baylor goes through like one of their best players, they would stick with her, but everybody would still be zoned down. And yeah, Baylor was confused. Hell, I was confused. I'll, do you run your zone offense or man offense against that? Like, yo, yeah, big, that was whoo. that was the difference. I mean, it was a back and forth game, and then Texas locked into that zone defense, and it was it was something to watch, man. Because you're right, they had that thing, the wings, the baseline runners, they had that thing locked in. It was it was impressive. Well, that's the thing. If, like, you're on offense and you're running your zone offense, you don't expect the person that's guarding you to follow you because then you're like, okay, are they in man? That's why it's like a matchup. It's just kind of like depending on who who's on the perimeter, you either stay or leave her. If it's a non-shooter, then you leave. If it is a shooter or somebody that can hurt you on the inside, then you'll go with her and everybody will kind of shift around the zone and you'll get back to your position eventually. But yeah, just it was havoc, man. And Madison Booker put on another show. Yo, that jumper, that's not a normal jumper that like women take. The way that she elevates, that's not that's not a normal thing. 
Like, as a freshman, what she's doing right now, the buckets that she's putting up, nothing's normal about it. And Vic Schaefer said it yesterday, like, yo, the, the guy on the men's side that wore 35, I don't think we see the freshman since that. Schaefer straight up said that with Bob Baloo. And, yo, I, I'm right there with him because those buckets, her playing that point, she's a matchup nightmare. She's a matchup nightmare. I don't know how you check her. I don't know. I really don't know how you check her. And with you know Taylor Jones and Aaliyah Moore doing what they're doing on the inside, like, yo, man, I don't know how you check Madison Booker. She's just too physical. Her ball handling's too good. Like, yo, she looks like Kawhi Leonard out there. I'm not even BSing you, Chip. Like, when she gets to her spots, like, she just gets to her spots no matter what. No matter who's checking her, her ball handling's that good. And you're like, man, she's not going that fast. But she ends up at her spot and just elevating over anybody she wants. It's very Kawhi-like. It's freaky. It's pretty freaky. You know, like, she doesn't play like Durant. She doesn't have that smoothness. But she has the ball handling that Kawhi Leonard has where it looks a little methodical and a little robot-y, but also very fluid and very smooth at the same time. Like, she's she's so impressive. That game, oh. man, I had a hell of a game to watch yesterday. Hell of a job by Lady Horns. Yeah, I mean, she went out of the game with that hamstring injury that kept her out of the – Cincinnati game and she uh got stretched out but it was like a 10 point eight point game she came right back in and just finished the game I mean she literally I'm, I'm looking at the play-by-play -play here real real quick in the fourth quarter she was I think she scored like she scored well she and taylor jones scored the and Aaliyah moore scored the last um you know points for texas in that 67 55 win and i'll tell you what vic is confident vic is confident in this group and i mean he felt like they could win the national championship or play for it, get into the final four, South Carolina, number one, far and away women's basketball. But he felt Texas could get into the final four this year and have a chance with Rory Harmon. She goes down December 27th, torn ACL, and they move Madison Booker over to point. And he's, he's not wavering from his expectations. Like he's, and that's why he blew up at them after they lost to OU in Austin. And they got up and crack of dawn the next morning, and he's putting them through hell. And then they come out, and they end up having to play without Madison Booker, and they beat Cincinnati, who's a tough rebounding team. And you could tell, by the way, Vic was talking last week that he felt good going to Baylor. Now they play – on Sunday, they're going to play the number two team in the country, Kansas State. Now, they've been without Ioka Lee, their six foot six All American. I'm not sure if she's going to be back Sunday or not, but um, I think Vic felt like they could have won that game in Manhattan. They lost it by three. And I think Vic feels like we're, we're getting 
right on our stride here down the stretch. And it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch. I mean, Aaliyah Moore is the key because, and I, I said Taylor Jones would be my, my big hat player of the game. And she had a good game. She had what, 14 points and, and some rebounds. Um, but Aaliyah Moore, when she's playing like she did last night, she had 19 points, seven boards. Taylor Jones had 14 points, nine boards. Madison Booker, you know, 22 points and what, three turnovers. That's what I look at with her because her turnovers were rough at the beginning. They're getting better. But watch out, man. Vic, I love I love Vic and his teams because he's such a good coach. I mean, he gets them like that zone defense last night. They were executing that like flawlessly. And that is not his thing. I mean, he is all about man. He's all about pressuring the ball. He's all about, you know, constant pressure on the ball. And that zone was awesome. Uh, So anyway, We'll you see. gotta That's do whatever you gotta do whatever it takes that fits your personnel year in and year out. Yes, you want to play that high intensity full court, but the person that ran that show was Rory Harmon. She's the one that initiated your whole defense when you play that full court 94 feet type D. So she's gone. Now you have to adapt. Now you have to improvise. hurt. Yeah. Booker's playing with a hamstring injury, so he can't he can't ask her to you know, burn it all, all ends of the floor. Yeah. So going to that zone is smart. You got to preserve your players if they're banged sure. up or if you're shorthanded. Yeah. And yo, the, the girls that have to check her, they're like power forwards slash small forwards. They're not used to guarding points. Like that's, a, that's why she's a mismatch nightmare. Cause you got again, threes and fours trying to check a point guard now. And now she's thinking like a point guard and playing like one and Vic's putting her in the right positions where she's able to use her body and come off screens and exploit mismatches. And plus what Jones and Moore doing down low, like it's tough right now. I know Shaylee Gonzalez didn't have the best game and Shay Holly didn't shoot the best either, but Shay Holly, she does all the little things that don't show up in the stat sheet. I love the way she plays. She deserves all the 40 minutes that she gets because she don't get tired. So you don't got to worry about that. But if Shaylee Gonzalez yeah, starts took, to come along and knocks down shots, look out. They only took seven threes. They only made one, but Baylor took 30 and hit seven. And that was a big that was a big issue for the for the Bears. They were not hitting from outside, but they kept shooting it. And Texas was rebounding. Texas out-rebounded them. Hey, so they, you know why they ain't shooting well? They ain't used to that in new arena. They just got in there. We're, you're not practicing there. You're not like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's tough. That's not necessarily a home court advantage yet, you know? And that's a weird camera angle. Like, it's way too high. If you well, like, just flip it down. I don't know who whose idea was that. Were we not thinking it's beautiful? I you know way better than the Ferrell Center. Well, they they modeled it after Fog Allen Fieldhouse. They modeled it after Fog Allen Fieldhouse, a little smaller version of Fog Allen Fieldhouse, and the crowd is right on top of you, just like Allen Fieldhouse, yeah. and it's the it's steep, you know, like it's. It's kind of cool, but yeah, the camera angle for TV is like 
I'm getting dizzy. I'm getting dizzy yeah, up I'm, here. I'm, I'm looking like close and stuff. I have to pause it every now and then. Like, man. Does that I camera was, angles from like the top of the arena? Yeah, because I was watching the TCU getting prepared for Horns and TCU and that three overtime game. I wanted to check it out. I'm thinking the same thing. Like, golly, nobody thought this through. Like, I, I get it. The home court advantage. Again, it's a beautiful arena. The Farrell Center, trash. Like, it had to go. It was just like um, the drum. It had to go. <laughs> yeah. So they, they did well with that. But at least with mood, like, you got a clear view with the camera angle. It's beautiful. Wow. Oh, yeah. Up in Waco, they're tripping. They're tripping, man. They're tripping. They're tripping. Yeah, they're shout tripping. out to Rick Schaefer. Meanwhile, yeah, so the Texas women, again, huge game on Sunday at, at the Moody Center against number two Kansas State. Um, that's a that's a big time showdown game for Texas. So let's see what uh, let's see what the Texas women got. That's a tough that's a tough turnaround because you go Thursday Sunday against two of the best teams in the league. Yeah, that'll that'll get your attention. Yeah, they shouldn't be practicing very hard. <laughs> like, right. everything should be walk-through stuff at this point. Same with the men. Like, you shouldn't be – you want to tighten up certain things and you'll work on it maybe for 15 minutes or so against, you know, the managers and, you know, the off-court staff. But as far as being on the court and practicing at this time of the year, no, nah, you got to save these guys' legs, these gals' legs. Like, once March comes around – Everybody's fresh enough <laughs> and, you know, see what happens then. Yeah. Ioka Lee did not play against Oklahoma on Wednesday and Oklahoma beat K-State on Wednesday. So let's, oh, uh, let, let's, yeah. And K-State did not shoot it well at all um, without Ioka Lee in the lineup. So, uh, this this will be interesting. This will be interesting. That's a that's a big game um, coming up here on uh, on Sunday at one o'clock. That game will be on Fox Sports One. The Texas women against uh, K State. The Texas men are playing TCU tomorrow, and I talked to. Jerry Palm, the bracketologist for CBS. And with 10 games to play, he says the Horns need to go six and four because they are six and seven in their quad one, two, and three games. And typically, he said, you don't get in to the NCAA tournament unless you're 500 or better in those quad one, two, and three games. Now, for people who don't understand the quad one, two, and three, join the club. I mean, it is – it's a mess. I mean, I, I can explain it to you. Quad – like a quad one win. Okay, just for an example. Okay, a quad one win is a home win against the RPI one through 30 a neutral site win against the RPI one through 50 
or an away win against the RPI one through 75. Now you got to be a junkie for college basketball and go dig into your RPI rankings and cross-reference everything. But just know that Texas having a four-point lead with a minute and some change left against Houston, that was huge if they could have closed that deal. And the UCF loss at home after being up 15 in the second half was a killer. Because think about it. They're six and seven in these you know, games against quad one, two, and three, they would have been seven and six and they could go five and five the rest of the way. Cause here's the deals. Hey, listen to this. They got five games at home and five games on the road and the five games on the road are against TCU, Houston, Kansas, Texas tech and Baylor. All of those teams are ranked. Their home games left are against number 12, Iowa State on Tuesday. That game is massive. Um, then West Virginia, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and and then Oklahoma, who's currently ranked number 23. So knowing that, Zay, what do you uh, – you like their chances? You don't like their chances? What's your no, gut? I don't like their chances at all. Um, yeah, just they don't match up well with anybody in the Big 12. Like every game, which for every team, yes, it's a struggle, but there's just too many cons and not enough pros of this Horns basketball team because at this point you've seen enough film of Dylan DeSue being on the court. If you could double team Max Acemas coming off screens and double team Dylan DeSue every time he touches the ball, whether that's on the short wing or in the post, you're in good situations because you'll live with Kendall Weaver attacking. As good as Kendall Weaver has been, as tough as he's been for the Horns, they definitely need him, and I think he deserves all the minutes that he's been given these last few games. You still live with him taking shots, especially from the outside. Like, when Kendall Weaver catches it on the three-point line, you don't run out to him. You kind of go out to him a little bit, then you stop, and, you know, you just kind of mess with him a little bit. You want him to take the shot. He hasn't proven enough that he can knock it down consistently. He's done a good job driving, but you'll live without two. As long as Dylan DeSue and Max Acemas aren't shooting, you'll live with that as opposing teams for Texas. So same with Tyrese Hunter, same with Dylan Mitchell, same with Brock Cunningham, damn sure same with IT Horton. Like the list goes on. That's too many players that are inconsistent that you just don't know what you're going to get out of them. While you got TCU on the other side, they got Micah Peavy. He'll get you buckets at times. Emmanuel Miller's going to be first team all Big 12. He's been huge, and he's going to be a guy that we'll see down the line in the association five years from now. He might not get drafted. He, you know, might not get picked up right away, but he's the type of dude, six seven, the athleticism that he has. Now he's shooting 37% from three, so that shot's promising. Oh, he could for sure be a three and D guy in the association in years to come. So Jamil Nelson Jr. 
Jr., I mean, make you feel old, Chip. You remember Jamil Nelson Sr. back yeah. in St. Joseph, Delonte West, those teams, man. Like, Jamil Nelson was a per- uh, perennial all-star with the Orlando Magic. Took those guys to the finals with him and Turker Glue and Dwight Howard. So now Jr., he's just as tough as Pops. He could get his own shot at any time. And then Trevion Tennyson, that dude's shooting like 45% from the three-point line. He's their best shooter by far. And this is the number one fast break team in the league. They don't match up well with anybody left. Nobody left. There's just too many weak spots for this Horns team. And it's not like they're not good. They are a solid team. It's just the Big 12 is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Iowa State, they got that foreigner dude coming in. Michelovich, I don't know what the hell his name is. It's hard to pronounce. That dude's out here playing like Dirk. They got them on Tuesday. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous, man. I'm going to give you the Zay's player of the game prediction brought to you by Big Hat later on. But I watching TCU, watching how, you know, Jamie Dixon uses his guys and just how they're so rotational. They're so grown, man. They got so many fifth-year, 23, 24-, 22-year-old guys, and they play like it. They got O'Banion coming off the bench. He's been there forever. Avery Anderson, who's was at Oklahoma State for four years. It's just they don't match up well with anybody. And it sucks because you look at the horns, you're like, man, they're not that bad. Like, I, if they were able to get in, I think they would maybe make it to the Sweet 16, depending on their matchup. Now it would be tough to, you know, beat that second-round opponent. But just with what the Big 12 is throwing at you, the Horns, they don't match up well with that. They match up well with other teams around the nation that are pretty good. But these teams that are physical and athletic and long to where they could affect Max Aceman's shot and they could get in Tyrese Hunter's way because he's only six foot and Weaver's only six two and IT Horton's only six three. They're just too small overall. Like Dylan Mitchell, as athletic as he is, he does not have the mass to be physical throughout the whole 40 minutes. He has his moments, but you saw kind of during the end of the Houston game, they just couldn't get rebounds when they needed to. Like you talked about being up four. That was a horrible next few possessions when Kendall Weaver fouled Jamal Shedd and he got the and one, then missed the free throw. Then the big man got the board and then got fouled and got to the line and hit two, tied the game. Ball game basically right there. Like you got to get those rebounds. Dylan DeSue and Kendall Weaver who didn't box out that man. Like just stuff like that. Stuff like that will continue to happen, and they can't afford not to play smart. They have to uh, take care of the ball. They have to play tough, and if they do those things, they can hang around, but still, sometimes, as you saw with Houston, that's not good enough. Oh, man. And, like, you're catching TCU. TCU's won three in a row. TCU went to Baylor, won that game in triple overtime on the 27th. That game was nuts. The game was nuts, and Jameer Nelson Jr. went for 30. Yo, he is. He comes off the bench. Just like Pops. Stocky, quick, creative. He doesn't have that same first step as Pops, because if he did, he'd obviously be in the league by now. But, man, he has that bulldog mentality like his Pops did. Like, God, Jameer Nelson, he's one of those guards where you look back, you're like, man, you were really good, dude. (laughs) Like, you were only six foot, 
and you were this good, big time shot maker. Like those St. Joe teams, they were fun to watch. And yeah, they had a game against Oklahoma State in the tournament. John Lucas, little John Lucas, who tough. I mean, that was an insane game. Yeah, it was an insane game. And yeah, so you got Jameer Nelson Jr. He went for 30 against Baylor the other night. You got Micah Peavy, who's a 6'8 guard, who is averaging 17 points in his last three games, shooting close to 50%. And Emmanuel Miller is their 6'7 forward. He grinds. And they start Ernest Uday, who's 6'11, but he's not. He's, he's not going to be on the floor to finish a close game. So yeah, they they like Cole's finishing. Yeah, and he's a stretch three, like or excuse me, stretch four, like six eight big man that can step out and shoot that shot. So but yeah. Zay, if you if you look, if you look at the remaining schedule, TCU, Houston, Kansas, like this on paper. At Tech, at Baylor, first of all, Houston, Kansas, and Tech are undefeated at home. TCU and Baylor have each lost one game at home. So on paper, tomorrow's game is one of the two best opportunities Texas is going to have to steal a road game, and it's not good timing because TCU's clicking right now. Yeah. So it's a big old challenge. And then you you follow it up with Iowa State and then Houston. So this is this is make or break time for the Horns. Yeah. Michael Peavy's pops is the Duncanville coach. And he's put out guys like Ron Holland, who was supposed to go to Texas, but decommitted to go to the G League, which he hasn't had the best G League. You know, I mean, not surprising to me. He needed some development. He's kind of more athletic first than skilled first. And then guys like Anthony Black, who went to Arkansas this past year and was a first-round pig, now getting some good minutes for the Orlando Magic. So Coach Peavy, who was previously at – Aikens down in South Austin, who I remember those Coach PV teams when I was at Bowie, uh, Bowie, he completely turned that program around. Those were some of the toughest games of my life, which I gave them a smooth 20 at Bowie. But, you know, that, that's, that's a different, for, different story for a different day. Yeah, I got flex, so I gave them a smooth 20 at Bowie. But, you know, those PV teams at Aikens, it makes sense why he's won state championships and stuff. And Michael Lollipop P- for Zay. Yo, man, I have to throw that out there. Just had to throw it out to you. I want no scrub. Just got to let y'all know. Some of y'all are like, oh, Zay, because of hoop and stuff. You know, I, hey, the big games, I stepped up. The big games, I stepped up. I can say that about myself. But back to Micah Peavy, yeah, 6'8 guard, like you said, Chip. He has some serious toughness, some serious athleticism. And if he starts hitting that outside shot, TCU is really hard to beat. So, yeah, I'll give you all my Zay's player of the game prediction later on. Brought to you by Big Hats. And I'll break down how the Horns can maybe win this game. So I'm talking about. So I'm talking about. Um, yeah, so we've officially hit uh, crunch time. 
Yeah, I don't see no wins again. There, I told y'all like three weeks ago. There's no guaranteed wins left, not one. Like that thing, it couldn't be more true at this point. There are zero guarantee wins. You know, Texas is going to be the under maybe in every game besides Oklahoma State. Like, yeah, West Virginia, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they have to win at home. They have to if they want to make the NCAA tournament, according to our, our man Jerry Palm. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, and for Texas, you can count on Max, you can count on DeZoo, you can count on Kendall Weaver, and you're hoping when it comes to Dylan Mitchell, you're hoping you get Dylan Mitchell's second half against Houston and not the Dylan Mitchell against BYU, and I get that there are some matchups that are better for him than others, but with his athleticism, every matchup, it shouldn't just be like every matchup should be close. Like he should be able yeah. to adapt, you know? Yeah. I, so. I don't know. So his motor just isn't there consistently, you know? There's just, and his IQ also, it's just not there either. <laughs> Sometimes, like, I don't know. At some guys, it just takes a little longer for them to understand everything you really need to know to be a good player and not just use your athleticism, which that's what he's banked on his whole life. Like, well, you could just go out there and out jump and, you know, use your quickness better than everybody else on the court. You're in a different category. So the things, the fundamentals, you don't have to worry about those as much. But now when you get to the college level, hey, all these guys are athletic. All these guys are skilled and fast. So you got to really crack down on film and be a student of the game. And I think he's still working on that. Yeah. Well, did you catch uh, Jim Harbaugh's introductory press conference? I did not. He looks okay. happy, though. I'm glad he's happy. He is such a goofball. There is no doubt. He went on and on. Actually, he finished his press conference by talking about um, Ted Lasso. He's like a big fan, big fan of Ted Lasso. Who else is a fan of Ted Lasso that we know? Uh, Me. I know that, but like coach wise, Chris Beard. Uh, Chris Beard always talked about Ted Lasso. Oh, you're right. Chris Beard. Chris Beard. Okay. Yeah. 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 Chris Beard you're always right. talked about Ted Lasso. Yeah. Okay. So he, uh, he, he wrapped up his, his press conference by saying everyone should watch Ted Lasso. But yeah, he was, he was giddy. He was talking about his goal is multiple. Multiple championships for the Chargers. He said, we're going to be humble, humble and hungry, but that's our goal. Yeah. And he he looked relieved, Zay. He looked like a guy who was getting ahead of the posse and getting out of town. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. He ain't got to worry about them problems that might have cracked down on him at Michigan, you know? with the investigation, Connor Stallion, shout out to him. But 
hey, now he's back in the NFL. He wants to be like Barry Switzer and Jimmy Johnson and Pete Carroll and winning both. And I think he has a franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert, which that's definitely what you need unless if you go the Brock Purdy route. But, hey, we all know that's rare. But, yeah, I saw Quentin Johnston, former TCU wide receiver, talk about how he's going to have a breakout year in year two. And he's going to prove everybody wrong and this and that, which, all right, cool. Let me see it. Thank you. Yeah. Please. (laughs) Please. Like, show me. Hey, fast. Year two, show me. You know what I'm saying? If it was Brandon Staley being that cancer up in La La Land, then that's what it was. Now you got a new fresh fresh face, a guy that's proven that he could do a little bit of coaching. All right. Let me see some, Quentin. Let me see some. Let me see it. Let me see it. Let me see it. I have a feeling, oh, I've already said the Chargers are going to be in the playoffs next year. And that team is built, ready to go. I mean, that Brandon Staley, what a mess that dude is. Because that, that that Chargers team, he just, he just screwed that team up. Yeah. Because they – we're ready to go. I mean, look at their depth chart. You got. Oh, it's ridiculous. I mean, I like I like Austin Eckler. I think he's fine. Oh, I do too. He's a touchdown machine. Keenan Allen still got gas in the tank. You know, Quentin Johnston needs to pick it up. There's no doubt. But. I think they need to move on from Mike Williams. Mike Williams, he's always hurt, man. Right. They rely on him a lot because when he's out there, he's a good football player. Good wide receiver could be one of the best, but you're just waiting. It's just only a matter of time before he falls wrong or gets hit the wrong way. And he's going to that locker room and he's out for the next month. And you probably got to put him on IR like that's that you might have to move off from him. But you're right. Their depth chart. They were in the playoffs last year. They had the Jags up 24 points in the playoffs. Brandon Staley blew that thing. Redis Daly blew that thing. Like, I know Chris Jackson's a good wide receiver coach, and those wide receivers went crazy, but damn. Really? Right. That was insane. That was nuts. And, I mean, you look like these guys are getting a little older. Khalil Mack, Kenneth Murray, Eric Kendricks love their linebackers. They're getting a little older, but Derwin James still solid. Sante Samuel. Junior at corner. I mean, Harbaugh's going to get this team right. He was cracking me up. He was like, we went to Home Depot and got the shop vac to clean everything up and let the guys know that this is going to be a different different team, different atmosphere. So, yeah, man, there's a new posse in town. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes ain't going nowhere. That's the division that you're in. It's his. So can they dethrone him? I mean, I think Patrick Mahomes is at that point of his career. It doesn't matter if they win the division or not. If They just got to get in. Once they get in, they think they have a chance. Like, I'm never going against him at this point. Why would you? You know what I'm yeah. saying? As much as I've been hyping up Brock Purdy, hey, and I still think Brock can do some Eli Manning type stuff just because we compare Patrick to Tom Brady. But still, like, come on. 
Mahomes, this situation, been there, done that, still has a lot to play for. Like, you just see watching inside the NFL and stuff like that, like him mic'd up. The passion that Patrick Mahomes has is ridiculous. Like, yes, his voice is a little odd, that Kermit the Frog tone, but, man, that dude, he'd make you run through a wall with his speeches, and then he goes out there and performs the way he does. Jim Harbaugh, good luck with that for the next 10 years. You know, you might have to – I don't think Andy Reid's going to last the next 10 years or so, but Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert – they're going to be compared for the rest of their careers because they're going to be matching up against one another due to the fact that they're around the same age. Yeah. What do you – we we were talking about it a little bit at the beginning, but Cliff Kingsbury hired as the new OC for the Raiders. I like that. Me too. If he's got a quarterback he can work with, I mean, you got Devontae Adams, you got, um, you know, you got Josh Jacobs. I mean, the Raiders can do something, and I think Cliff will get it out of people, you know? Yeah, uh, I've seen some mock drafts say Michael Penix at that 13th spot for the Raiders, and I wouldn't mind that at all. I really wouldn't, you know, I think Michael Penix could have a really good NFL career. And I think if he's under the right person, like a Cliff Kingsbury, which head coach Cliff, mm, yeah, he's okay. But offensive coordinator, this is what he does. This is where I think he gets the most out of guys. And I think Antonio Pierce, that was the right hire to keep him around. Shout out to Mark Davis for making the right decision there because you know they're going to play hard for him. Hell, if your best player on your team and Max Crosby saying, if y'all don't keep Pierce, I'm probably going to ask for a trade. Yo, that, <laughs> that says a lot. Because Max Crosby, he'll probably get, if Miles Garrett doesn't, defensive player of the year. So you're going to listen to that dude. And him, you know, vouching for Antonio Pierce the way that he did. And then Antonio Pierce making this move, bringing in Cliff Kingsbury. I like it a lot. They just, you're right. They just got to find their quarterback. I don't know who What's, that is. but Daryl, come on, Daryl. Yeah, that's, you know, he's a, he's a Red Raider. He's a Red Raider. He worked for A&M. You know, that's – I get it. I get it. He's He deserves that. <laughs> I mean, I love Cliff, man. That dude, he he knows offense. He needs his quarterback. There's no doubt. But, look, he could – Jimmy G's still on that roster. He'll make something out of Jimmy G. Like, Cliff will get some – if he's got a quarterback who's willing to be coached, He'll get it out of him. I think Kyler just Kyler's too petulant. I mean, I mean, Kyler, he's always gonna have to deal with injuries with because the way that he plays, the way that he likes to run, like he's so small, man. It's hard for him to last a full season. So I mean. I hope the best for him. And I saw on our Texas Sports Unfiltered Twitter, we put out who's the best high school football player in Texas history. And my vote would definitely go to Kyler Murray. Like he's a special, special, you know, talent. But yeah, you're right, Chip. The way that he carries himself off the field, that is not how 
a quarterback leader of a franchise needs to handle themselves. And that's always going to be the knock on Kyler. Just he's not very personable. <laughs> he's kind of standoffish. He's kind of an asshole. Like watching him on hard knocks, you're like, dude, like he was talking to somebody and it wasn't the most motivational speech at all. It was kind of like, if you do your job, we'll be fine. Like do it. Like, it's just like, all right, bro. Like, that's obvious, but can you give me some confidence? Can you make me feel good about myself? Not everybody has your number one pick in the draft talent, bro. You know, and it's just, he he does rub people the wrong way. Like when he, when Sam, you know, put his hand on Kyler's helmet to say, good game after the Red River shootout and Kyler like bowed up on him. Yeah. Cause he's got little man's disease. Yeah. And, and then Ellinger's like, well then take that L bitch. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, that, that bothered me. <laughs> that bothered uh, Sam little man, him. You can't grab no other grown man's head dog. Sam he had his helmet that. on. He had his helmet on. He yeah. just like, you know, no. In that rivalry. Nah, Sam, Sam was cold blooded for that, which I love it. I, I need that. I need that's why we love Sam Ellinger because he did wild shit like that. And he was tough as nails and he loved his university. But Sam was way out of pocket. It was Sam was way out of pocket. We call that sunning someone. Like you treat him like your son, like your child. Put your hand on his head like he's a little kid and like he's a little baby. Very disrespectful. Very disrespectful. Which, you know, Sam Ellinger, I'm with that, man. I'm with that. Right, no, he's saying it so. Apollo my Creed. God. What? Action Jackson. Action Jackson. Apollo Creed. Living in America. Oh, not Carl Weathers. Damn. Damn. That's tough. He was firing them. Even he got killed, but Predator. He went harder than that. Only Arnold survived. Sorry, spoiler alert. But damn. You said Action Jackson? Yo, I know you from Detroit. That's what you say? <laughs> yeah, because, like, that was one of the worst movies of all time, but it was so Horrible. bad. It was good. It was so bad. Horrible. It was good. And they, that's what they call Lamar Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. That's what they call Lamar Jackson, Action Jackson. And that was oh my that God. was Carl Weathers, man. Carl Weathers, Action Jackson, man. What about I... Chubb? Chubb. What the hell is Chubb? Happy Gilmore. Oh, he was in that? Oh, yeah, Happy Gilmore. Yes, he was Chubb. That's right. He's the dude who had his hand snapped <laughs> yeah, yeah, off yeah, yeah. by an alligator. And he's like going up with that wooden hand, shaking everybody's hand. Damn, oh I know we're going to see some if he dies, he dies memes. I don't know if that's paying good tribute or if that's poking fun. I don't know. Well, I died. say it's respect, right? It's cold-blooded. That's but... <laughs> not cold-blooded. That's he what dies, like, he, he died. died in the movie. James Brown's out here singing Living in America. Oh, yeah, no, he died. And stuff. Then, yeah, my dude on steroids, old Russian, Drago, whatever his name was, lights out. If he dies, he dies. 
Okay, Damn. here's Variety. Here's Variety Magazine, which is one of the great Hollywood, you know, one of the great uh, publications covering Hollywood. Carl Weathers, who starred as Apollo Creed in the first four Rocky films opposite Sylvester Stallone, died Tuesday? Oh, damn. His manager, Matt Luber, confirmed a variety. He was 76. Okay, second paragraph. Weathers also starred in 1987's Predator and had a memorable role in Adam Sandler's Happy Gilmore. And he was he was in The Mandalorian. Have you ever seen The Mandalorian? I'm not a big Star Wars guy. Y'all confuse me with that. Like, you got to start at episodes four, five, and six, and then back to one, two, and three. That that gets me. Like, I remember I went with my high school girlfriend to see episode three, where Anakin became Darth Vader. That was fire. That was hard. Uh, that, that, was, that was cool. I was with that. But it never gave me the motivation to go see the others. Like, I kind of remember... The first one with the kid driving or flying the racing the thing. I don't know what his name was, but other than that, nah, I don't Anakin. Yeah, yeah. Anakin. Okay. Well, yeah. So he was also the voice of Combat Carl in Toy Story. Huh. Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers had range. Come on, man. Yeah. Combat Carl. Wow. Yeah. Man, I'm sad about this. Rocky. Okay, the Rocky movie. Like, I went to see it with my parents in the theater. Came out in 1976. I was like nine. That movie was, like, became my, it was my favorite movie forever. Rocky? The first one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the first one. Because... You know, the underdog story, no one gave him a chance. He went the distance. And, you know, the music, if you've ever heard the Rocky soundtrack, the music is money. Oh, I told you, CeCe used to play that for us before Westlake games. What? Which one? Which final album? We just play it from the first song until it ended. And that'd be going on during shoot around before the game. CC knows. Oh, yeah. Which, oh, by the way, I talked to him. He'll be on the show next week. He's good for it next week. Yeah. I think I'm playing golf with CC in the mullet open. I think you are. I think so you I'm are. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. 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 CC knows what's up, man. Yeah, he knows what's up. That Rocky soundtrack. Oh. Yeah. You, you feeling down in the dumps? Just play some of that. Eye of the Tiger. Not. Yeah. I mean, well, Eye of the Tiger was later. Oh, okay. That was like Rocky 2. Oh, okay. But the original soundtrack to Rocky, oh, man. But Carl Weathers, he died Tuesday? How did I not know about this till Friday? Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah, they don't talk about Action Jackson. They don't talk about it. What's wrong with these people? Okay, let, okay. this is the Hollywood Reporter. The Hollywood the Hollywood Reporter, Carl Weathers, the former NFL player. Really? What? Wow. He was way more successful than Jim Brown was with movies. 
Yeah. Ironically. Oh, man. That's what you did. Yo, that's what you did. If you were a black superstar, OJ, Jim Brown, now you're in Carl Weathers. Yo, if you had some good looks, hey, try to act. Go ahead. See what you could do. You know, especially if it's one of those crime fighting or roles where you show your athletic physique. Yeah, like Carl. I get it. One of the best scenes was him and Arnold Schwarzenegger doing that hot five on Predator. <laughs> Yo, okay, that so was the news is top five ever. The news is just breaking now, but he, I guess they kept it secret. Huh. The Hollywood Reporter said the former NFL player. How about that? I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm trying to get it. Because we got John McClain coming on. I got to get his thoughts on. Yeah, maybe he covered Carl. Man. Carl Weathers, former football. Yeah, hell yeah. Look at this. Carl Weathers. He played football at San Diego State and was drafted by the Oakland Raiders. Wow. Come on. Look at that. Carl Weathers. And he was yoked. Oh, that, yeah. That first Rocky movie. Oh, man. Let's get John McClain in here. John Carl Weathers has passed away at the age of oh, 76. No. And he would he played football at San Diego State and was drafted by the Raiders, the Oakland Raiders, in 1970. I did not even know that about Carl Weathers. Yeah, he played in the NFL a little bit. He wasn't very good, but uh, – of course, nobody really knew who he was unless you were a diehard football fan until he was Apollo Creed, and that made his that made gave him a great career in acting. Um, I never knew him, didn't cover him. I was in high school when he was drafted, but everybody says he's a great guy. And no telling what kind of money he made out off the Rocky series. So I hate to see that because my all-time favorite movie is not uh, Apollo Creed and Rocky. It's uh, Predator. And yeah. uh, I thought the which is Predator is the most macho movie I've ever seen. And I am a movie nut. And I've never seen any that had the testosterone of Predator. So for <laughs> those of you who uh, are new to the show, John McClane is a Screen Actors Guild actor. He's been in. Cook County, which is an award-winning independent film about the meth in East Texas. It's a fascinating film. And he's been in Secretariat. What other movies have you been in, John? You're a movie star. The Rookie, The Longest Yard, uh, Invincible, um, a thing called Make It Rain. It was, didn't nobody saw it, but it was a lot of fun. And my last one was uh, uh, Spring Breakers in which I played a judge and I was had I was on the set with Selena Gomez and and uh, Ashley Benson and Vanessa Hutchins and the director Harmony Corinne's wife and uh spent eight hours in a courtroom with them in Bradenton, Florida, in which they'd spent the night in jail for too much partying in spring break. And uh they came out in the courtroom and I sentenced them to go back into jail. James Franco, the star of the film he was a, he took a great character, 
And uh, he was in the audience looking. He bailed them out after I sent them back in when they couldn't make bail. And it was it was an incredible experience. Weren't they like in their weren't they like in their bathing suits in that scene? If you could call them that, two stick'em caps and a cork. Um, <laughs> they were uh, yes, they were in their bikinis, and and I remember when we'd shoot the scene, and I would tell them they had you know they couldn't bail, and I'd tell them go call mommy and daddy, and then they'd go cut, and while they would move in the scenes, moving the lightings, lighting and angles, they would all drop down. And then they would, uh, their handlers would come out and bring them blankets because it's cold when you film. And uh, and so then they'd bring them their cell phones and they'd be on their cell phones and it'd be next ready for the next take and they'd run out and get them. And so every time they got up, it was quite interesting how they were having to reach back there and pull their bikini bottoms down. And uh, so I, I spent all that time there. Of all the times we had to reshoot, only four were because of me. And one of them was my first one. The director goes, action. And I start doing my lines, and he goes, cut. He said, judge, you can't s- sentence them with your, without looking at them. And I said, but I feel like such a dirty old man. <laughs> he said, well, that may be, but you still got to get your lines down. You got to look at them. And so uh, I did from that point on. And it was a fun experience because at the end of the day, those girls were so tired of going up and down and doing their lines while they did everything, shooting James Franco in the audience. And uh, the girls at the end were doing things to kind of distract me. And I remember one time I'm about to speak and one of them goes, <laughs> like, we're in, like we're in junior high. And uh, but it was it was fun. They were great to deal with. And when we went back to Tampa to the base camp, I was in a, a a van with them, and it was me, the driver, and the girls. And uh, and so paparazzi were coming, streaming by, trying to shoot pictures, and they'd all lay down in the seats so they couldn't get them. And I said, "Can't y'all? Can't we do this once? I might get in People Magazine." And they're like, "Who is this guy?" <laughs> I'll tell you one quick story. Uh, <clears throat> this driver's name was Cheech. And when you're shooting a movie set, you get drivers, they take you everywhere. And so he was a really nice guy. And I heard him on his cell phone talking to somebody about the Bucks. And he was talking Bucks this, Bucks that, and everything. So I texted John Lynch. And this would have been 2008, I think, or seven. And I texted him, told him what I was doing. Could you possibly call me and I'll put you on the phone with this guy, Cheech, who's a Dollar Bucks fan. He goes, sure, I'm not doing anything. So about two minutes, he calls. I look at the phone answer and I said, you're Cheech, right? And he goes, yeah. I said, I got a call for you. He goes, what in the world would somebody be calling you to get to me? I said, I don't know. He just said Cheech. So I hand him the phone and he goes, yeah. And then he goes, B.S., it said you give me this said John Lynch, give me a bleeping break. And uh and so he's driving with one hand, holding my phone up with the other, and then he says to Lynch something like, Tell me something about John Lynch, a lot of people don't know. And he then he goes, Oh my god, and he loses the van is sliding across Interstate 75, and you got these four girls in the back who are worth so much money to the movie. And I have to grab the wheel to keep it back on the road 
while he talks to John Lynch. Finally, he gives it back, and he's looking at me like, what the hell? You're you're the judge. So then I did the same thing with Warren Sapp. And then next time I get a call, I said, yeah, he's here. I said, Cheech, he took the phone. Took the phone and said, who's this? Holy bleep. And so he talked to Warren Sapp a little bit. And as he dropped me off at my hotel, which was not the big one where the stars were, I felt like I was a lone ranger. And I should tell him how I was able to do this because they knew absolutely nothing about me. Some old guy, some old bald fat guy who had a southern accent. And so I said, by the way, Cheech, my name is John McClain. I've been covering the NFL for 40 years for the Houston Chronicle, and I spent a lot of time covering the Buccaneers. So that's how I was able to do it. I know you had fun. Congratulations. And I closed the door. He had his mouth open like, who was that guy? And then a few months later, I get a call from him. Plus you're flexing in front of these actresses. Yeah, and they're on their cells. They don't know, and they're not paying attention to us. And uh, so – I get a call from him. I said, Cheech, how are you? He said, I'm in Atlanta working on a movie. You know any Falcons I could talk to? (laughs) No. Nice knowing you. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a great movie, Spring Breakers. It's a great movie. And John's right. The James Franco character is insane. You see it, Zay? Yeah, I've seen it. Oh, my God. He's seen Spring Breakers. He hadn't seen the movie Air. But he's seen Spring Breakers. Well, that's because yeah, he heard this. When we went to the premiere and the first scene is topless students at spring break jumping up and down on the beach. And my wife, Carol, leans in and says, that is way too many breasts in this movie. And I said, honey, there's no such thing. There's too many breasts in the movie. And there were a lot. Yeah. Big reason that's- why I saw it, John. Big reason why I saw it. Well, John... I'd almost rather talk about spring breakers than what happened to my lions against the 49ers last weekend. But give me your thoughts on that one. 24 seven, they choked. And uh, just like the Ravens, when you start doing things that you didn't do all season, uh, you choke and they had dropped passes. They had bad penalties and everybody wants to let Dan Campbell off the hook because you went for it twice on fourth down. It didn't work. And the uh, 49ers scored touchdowns. But Dan Camp, to me, and this is what's wrong with analytics. Analytics say, okay, it's fourth and two on your 35. You'll make it 49%, of, 51% of the time. So he's going to go for it. Well, do you think if he were playing the Panthers, say, who were the worst team in the league, he would have a better chance than the 49ers who are a great team with a great front seven. You can't look at every situation as ironclad because you have to consider who's on the other side of the ball. And I think he didn't do that, and it's a big mistake. But it was a great season. People be fired up even more. They get to play the AFC South. They'll play over here. Chip, you should come over. And uh, so they'll play at NRG Stadium against the Texans, but nothing can take away what a great season it was for the Lions. I don't think anybody thought they were going to beat the 49ers and go to the Super Bowl this year. But the strides they've made under Dan Campbell have been phenomenal. And considering their talent, cap situation, a draft, they should be in good shape for the immediate future. 
Yeah, John, they should definitely be in good shape, especially with Ben Johnson coming back. I know he was flirting with the commander's job that, you know, we know end up taking that and Dan Quinn, which I'll ask you about that in a moment. But Ben Johnson coming back, what does that mean for him and Aaron Glenn to come back? Because obviously they believe in the process and what's going on in Detroit right now. Well, Ben Ben Johnson did not distinguish himself in that game, and he got off the hook for some bad play calls because of drop passes and and Dan Campbell's controversial fourth down uh, attempts and other things that the Lions just did in the total meltdown. But he did not have a great game as a play caller. And um, by him coming back, you know, he wants to be a head coach. He just didn't want to be the head coach, I'm guessing, at Washington. And and that's to me, is not shaping up as a real good job because too many cooks in the kitchen the way it looks from the outside. So it's great for the Lions that he's back. Aaron Glenn, you know, he had interviews too. Maybe if it's funny because if the Lions bottom out, say they don't make the playoffs next year, they're not going to be nearly as hot as they were. So sometimes you got to strike when iron's hot, but I think the Lions are going to be good. I think they're going to be good for quite a while. All right. I'll take that. I'll take that. All right. The Ravens and the Chiefs, John, your thoughts. Well, I picked the Ravens just like I picked Chiefs to lose to Buffalo. Now I ain't picking against them again. I think they'll be the 49ers, but the Ravens, same thing. They did all these things they hadn't done. Their running backs had six carries for 23 yards, and they led the NFL in rushing. And that's another offensive coordinator, Tom Todd Monken, did not have a good game. Lamar Jackson's stats were good. He ran a lot. But, boy, he made some mistakes. He made terrible decision throwing in triple coverage in the end zone. And uh, so now he's going to be MVP. He's got two, two playoff victories in his career. But, man, they just – they were so un-John Harbaugh-like with some stupid penalties by veteran players, not young players. Zay Flowers got the stupid penalty, taunting, and then he dropped pass, and it just – it was a bad game for Zay Flowers, and uh, it was inexcusable to taunt the way he did because he's a smart guy. He knows that's against the rules, but he let his emotion overcome him. And then, of course, Raven fans are looking for all kind of excuses about – why he was justified doing it. I saw one writer said they should legalize taunting because that's what kids do. That's what they do today. Let them do it. And uh, so I just, um, the Ravens should be back because they've got a lot of talent. Uh, but man, neither one of the teams, and the most surprising, of course, was Baltimore. Baltimore was the best team in the league, got the MVP, great coach, Super Bowl victory, two, two coordinators playing, doing really good jobs, and then they just didn't act like the Ravens. I know the Texans probably thought, why in the world didn't they play like that the week before against us in the second half when it had been 10-10 to and Ravens outscored the Texans 24-0 by doing everything they do well, including rushing for 227 yards. Yeah. 
I mean, everybody wants to talk about Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and obviously Taylor Swift too, but what Steve Spagnuolo has done with this defense, I mean, I think Legarius Sneed and Trent McDuffie are the best two corners in the league as a duo, and they cause serious havoc. Why hasn't Spags ever looked for a head coaching job, John? Like, it seems like he's had well, – He did, Zane. He bombed out and got fired, and uh, so now he's in his – Fifth, he's in his fifth Super Bowl, tying the all-time record set by Dick LeBeau uh, for a defensive coordinator. And I think at this point, C. Spagnuolo is just, just viewed as a great coordinator who wasn't cut out to be a coach. Now, there's guys that get second chances, but his name's never come up. And sometimes you take a bad job, and if it doesn't work, you don't ever get another chance. So you have to be very careful. I know D'Amico Ryan's. I asked him about advice for Bobby Slowick, who was about to interview for multiple jobs. He said, make sure if you do it, it's a good situation and it has a good future. Don't do it just to become a head coach because in all likelihood, you'll get another opportunity. And, and uh, Spags has just never gotten it. He's found his calling. He could stay with Andy Reid, be a Super Bowl contender every year as long as Patrick Mahomes is there. But it all starts up front. Chris Jones. George Kalatas, an underrated pass rusher. They, they're they really good up front, really good at linebacker, and then it translates to the secondary. And one of the reasons they're where they are, Mahomes only averaged 239 yards passing in three playoff games. It's because of their defense. But Mahomes also hasn't turned it, hasn't turned it over. So they got a good thing going right now. All these people say Andy Reid could retire. I don't see it. I tell him, what's he going to do, play golf? No. You're going to eat cheeseburgers for a living. No, he's a football coach. He's having a blast. He's transformed his team to a uh, an all-out blinding speed offense with a good defense to a more conservative offense and a great defense. You know, I was thinking about Eric Bieniemy, John, um, because, you know, he left the Chiefs to take over the play calling for the commanders, hoping to – you know, show what he could do offensively. And that was kind of a dangerous move just because of what's now happened here. Um, and now we got to wait and see, I guess, if if Dan or, uh, yeah, Dan Quinn's going to keep Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, I don't have any idea what he's doing. I'll tell you this about Dan Quinn. He's a really nice guy. He's a good defensive coordinator. Everybody loves him. Coached a team to the Super Bowl. Wasn't his fault they lost. It was Kyle Shanahan's play calling. And then when they led 28-3 over the Patriots. But, and my wife grew up as a diehard Washington Redskins fan. Still won't even acknowledge they're the commanders. When I told her they had hired a coach from the Cowboys, she went ballistic. She didn't care who it was. It's just the fact that the Washington Commanders, uh, knee Redskins, had hired somebody from Dallas, made her sick to her stomach. And I'm curious about the backlash up there. I can't imagine he was the first choice. We all thought he was going to Seattle. And uh, not to mention that they came from the Cowboys, but also the fact he's a retread and also the fact that he came from Dallas. And, uh, boy, he's going to be under a lot of pressure. And the problem they have there is you got one minor partner, Magic Johnson, tweeting after losses about how bad you are. You got the owner, Josh Harris, who 
by all indications is a terrific owner, but he said, well, I want input from my minor partners. Well, that's stupid. You don't want input from your minor partners. And, uh, and then, uh, he, uh, Let's see, he's got something else working against him, and I forgot it was. I've talked about it so much, but you you just oh, Bob Myers coming from Golden State. Yeah, he was great in the NBA, but what's he gonna do? Tell Adam Peters, the GM, what to do? No. And I'm not sure about that dynamic. If it's Adam Peters, who assistant GM for the 49ers, was hired as a GM, and he was highly coveted for several years. If it's just him that Dan Quinn answers to and they can make sure those minor partners understand their role and magic stays off Twitter, then it can be a really good situation because they're going to get a really good quarterback to start off. And he better get a good coordinator and a good quarterback coach. Yeah. Were you paying attention? Well, so you think that you're going to pick the Chiefs to beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl? Absolutely. I think if you look at it, you got the 450 million quarterback and the 3.9 million quarterback. That's a mismatch. The defenses are the 49ers defense is real good. The Chiefs defense is great. 49ers have more playmakers, but the Chiefs have Mahomes, the biggest playmaker of all. So I'm going with the Chiefs. I'm not I picked against them. I picked them to beat Miami and Tua Tonga Vailoa. I picked them to lose to Josh Allen and the Bills. And I thought sure they were going to lose to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens after watching what the Ravens did to the Texans in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I got the chiefs. Yeah. John, I don't think we've heard your full thought on the Taylor Swift situation. I know it's a lot of hoopla with that and people have their own views on it. Seeing them on the field, kiss and hug and stuff with Travis Kelsey having a tear go down his eye. That hit me, John. Cause like I tell Chip all the time, I love love. I have to see it be authentic, and it looked as authentic as I've ever seen it up to this point. What are your thoughts on her? I, I think Taylor Swift's great for the NFL. I saw a report last week said she had made $331 million for the NFL uh, because and they had a lot of factors they factored into it. And I, I spent a lot of time in Nashville. I've never heard anything about her other than she's great. She takes care of people. She spent hundreds of thousands on her truck drivers, taking her stuff across the country for her heiress tour. They say there's all these people in the suite, say she gives them a tip of $100 and people down in underneath where she just hands them out to people that work hard and everybody loves her. And she does not put herself on camera. The cameras are all the way on the other side of the field. She doesn't know she's going to be on once, twice, a hundred times. She just got to be herself and have fun and enjoy the games and enjoy enjoy Travis Kelsey's accomplishments and the fact that it's the NFL doesn't matter if all us old crumbmudgeon sports writers don't like her. The fact is we're talking about her, writing about her, tweeting about her, even if it's negative. And the NFL wants to appeal to younger people. So a lot of those young Swifties, not just women, there's a lot of guys that are Swifties. Maybe they watch to see her and decide, well, this game's fun. Maybe I'll pay more attention. Maybe I'll buy that product I just saw up there. So I think it's great. The NFL should pay for the wedding and pray they don't get divorced. <laughs> I mean, John, it took like five minutes for people to try to figure out where Taylor Swift is going to be before the Super Bowl. Oh, she's performing in Asia. She can catch a 
flight. She'll be exhausted, but she can she, make it she's, back. She can sleep. She flies on these monstrous charters, I mean, private planes. So she's on it as a Saturday night. I think it's the last of four nights in a row shows in Tokyo. So she has her concert. Then she goes to the airport. She gets on a luxury jet where she can sleep, eat, exercise, do anything she wants. And I'm, I'm told she doesn't talk after him. She tries to write because she wants to save her voice. And it's amazing. She puts on a three-hour show four nights in a row. So she comes back to the U.S. and she actually will get back here Friday night. So she'll have a chance to go straight to Vegas. She can go somewhere else, then come to Vegas. She's not going to be able to see Kelsey before the game because he's too tied up in preparations. But she will have plenty of time to get ready. And then she's headed, I believe, to Australia for a bunch of more shows before she goes to Europe. Unbelievable. I mean, it's it's crazy. And her his jersey sales are up. They were up like 44% the minute the word got out they were dating. So I believe the 330 million number, it's, it's, it's can, insane. Can you guys imagine if she were to actually tweet and say, would you a memo to all my, all my fans, please buy Travis Kelsey's uh, jersey. And here's where you go to NFL.com slash jerseys to get it. Can you imagine? He's got like 200 million followers that what, what she could do if she wanted to do that. But, you know, she's not – she doesn't need the publicity. Right. She doesn't need the money. I think I saw where all the people that drove the trucks for her, transporting all of her equipment, she gave all of them hundred grand, And then that was to the drivers and then gave a bunch more to the other people. Of course, she, she made over a billion with more to come. So I think it's great. Uh, they, everything I've seen, I like her. I hear her songs. I like the songs. And uh, I think it's great for the league. And the fact that so many people don't like it, I, mean, I like it even better. <laughs> My daughter doesn't give a flip about the NFL, but she loves Taylor Swift. And that's and who they're like, going for, your daughter. Oh, yeah. And she's like, I hear Jason Kelsey's retiring from the Eagles. I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, you don't care. She's like, oh, no, I, I pay attention. Travis Kelsey. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. I'm like, amazing. Um, John, do you pay attention to the senior bowl at all or? Uh, no, I know no. who's in it. And uh, I'll read like I read a thing this morning about those who have risen and those who have dropped and based on practice. And there's you so much more to go in the, in the, in the process to prepare for the draft, of course, senior bowl practices, and then you go to the combine, pro days, private workouts, private lunches and dinners, and there's so much to go. So somebody doesn't impress at the senior ball, it doesn't mean he's not going to be a high number one pick. What's the dive bar in Mobile? It's like everyone go a Vitz. I something. used to go, but I can't remember. By the way, Sweat goes over there, and he won't let him weigh him. I know. Well, that's not good. Because that means he's way overweight. People go, well, you know what? He's known for X days. He's going to be in it, and he's going to get weighed. But then he looked really good in the practices. And I'll say this. he He's going to have to weigh at the combine. He's going to have to weigh for teams because they worry about linemen can gain 10 or 15 pounds in two weeks 
if they're not taking care of himself. And if, if the way he would bowl over people, if he would lose some weight, which would help his quickness and continue to get stronger, he's got a chance to go in the first round. Yeah. 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 That was, that was interesting. Not weighing in. He was listed at 362 at Texas this season. So if he's over that, then NFL teams will be like, what's he going to be like when he gets the money? Yeah. And you know, his agent is riding him hard, trying to explain about how much money this could be costing him or making him. Yeah. John, what goes into the process of finding guys like an Isaiah Pacheco or a Puka Nakua, those guys in the later rounds that just are obviously steals? I know it has to fit the system that they go into, but also like you have to do your due diligence and your homework when you get those guys that late and they come out and produce. Zay, it's a, it's a situation where some guys – uh, they've been like, say, Terrell Davis when he was at Georgia. He was a six-round pick for the Broncos. He's in the Hall of Fame. He ran in a system where he didn't – he played in a system in which he didn't get the ball a lot. And then when he did get the ball, he was productive. Why they didn't give him the ball more is beyond me. I think it was the offense. So you take him in the sixth round, and that's not like, oh, boy, we knew he was going to be great. He was an afterthought. Thought. Tom Brady was an afterthought. Bill Walsh in 79 wanted Steve Dills, not Joe Montana. And then Dills went to Minnesota. Yeah, he got stuck with Montana. That was in the third round. So sometimes they're in a system that doesn't bring out the best in them. Sometimes they're in coach with coaches that don't. Sometimes you don't expect it, but they're just all of a sudden they do well at what you thought. And one time this year when, uh, Tank Dell was playing so well before he was lost for the season. And D'Amico Ryan said, well, he's everything we thought he would be. And I want to say, well, why didn't you draft him before the third round? Because he's great. So it's a crapshoot a lot of the times. Coaching is so important. System so important. And a lot of that coaching can be tough love. They need it because they didn't get it in college. Or it can mean you need, they need a pat on the back. So, so much goes into the development of a player. And like Nico Collins, the Texans became one of the best receivers in the NFL in his third year. He had flashed it, but he'd be hurt. He'd been hurt. Now he's going to, should get a big extension. But uh, you, you should never give up on a player. If they're not, if they haven't developed by the third year, then they got to go. But if they flash and maybe it's injuries or new system or coaches, you know, you hang on to them and give them a chance. Yeah. So when the combine was first created, how much of it was to get the medical on players? It was first created, Chip, to keep teams from having to go all over the country for every player, going to every school. And Gil Brandt, I think it was Gil Brandt's idea to have it in one place. Didn't matter where it was. It could be in Seattle or Dallas. And before they settled on Indianapolis, they just wanted everybody to be able to come to one location. And when it worked out so well, then they're like, okay, let's find a place that's centrally located. RCA Dome, downtown Indy. You can walk everywhere in downtown Indy. They've got walkways for when it's cold. they got hotels. you got hospitals, everything you need. And so that's how it started. And then it really took off when it got on the NFL network. And when I started going, 
there was probably seven or eight writers there, no TVs or radios, hanging out in the in the players' hotel, the Crown Plaza. We had a list of their number, like number 76, and you see 76 walk out. Well, that's Chip Brown. Do we want him? Yeah, so we'd all run over there and interview him. And I thought after a while, why are we all interviewing the same people? We should do a combine quotes network and use the people who are on a Sunday notes network that I oversaw. And so I started doing that. And if you remember the Pro Football Rise of America, you'd interview two or three players over five days, and then you get like 200 back. Tells Your bosses think you worked your butt off when most of the time you're out drinking and eating and partying. I love it. I love it. Okay, so Mike Zimmer apparently would be interested in being the Cowboys' defensive coordinator. Zimmer, you know, was with the Super Bowl teams as the defensive backs coach in the early '90s. Um, your thoughts on on that in the Cowboys' search? Zimmer has a good relationship with Jerry and Stephen Jones. He and Mike McCarthy went up against each other a lot. So McCarthy knows him. You know, Mike is a tough guy, tough personality, pretty set in his way. So you need a head coach who's been around a while. I wouldn't want Zimmer with a rookie because he's going to uh, – he might be intimidated sometime. But he's a hell of a coach. He's been out. You know, at one point he had the Vikings 13-3 and three after, the, and then the Minnesota Miracle with Case Keenum. And so I'd love to see Zimmer back in the NFL. Better him than Ron Rivera. Rivera's – always liked to run a 3-4. Then he went to a 4-3 in Washington, and they were really good. So if you could get either one of those guys to come in and take over the talent the Cowboys have, I think it'd be tremendous. John, great stuff, my man. I could talk to you for hours. But well, Let me uh, say something right quick. I uh, tweeted this week 12 tweets to say what I wanted to say. I got laid off at Sports Radio 610 in Houston, on Tuesday, after 24 years in a row at the station and 39 years in a row in Houston radio. And uh, so it was very amicable. And I'm about to do my last show at 4 o'clock. And a lot of people know about it after my tweets. Chronicle wrote a story about it. They wrote more on me getting laid off than they did when I retired. And uh, awful announcing had a story. Barrett Sports Media has gotten a lot of attention, which is very flattering. And I've already had some other outlets reach out, but I'm still, as I tell people, they act like, well, I'm out of work. And I tell them, well, I still have shows in Austin, Waco, San Antonio, Las Vegas, Nashville, Knoxville. I do a weekly video with Mattress Mac. I do a TV show on Fox once or twice a week. And I'm on Texans radio twice a week. So it's not like I'm not doing anything. It's just that I'm not doing the main job I've had other than the Chronicle for the last 24 years. So it was a great ride. I had a lot of fun. I, I might do a, another gig uh, because I'm going to meet with some people, but I appreciate you guys still having me on. Oh man, I'll still be, talking, I'll still be talking Houston, Texas, a national NFL, anything. And hopefully the Astros when they crank it up. You're the, you're the goat, John, and we appreciate it so much. We love the conversation because you're a, you're an encyclopedia. For, yeah, for, you and I go way back on multiple shows of yours, and I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, you got it, my man. Appreciate you know, it, uh, always. Thank you, Zay. We'll look forward to it next week. I do, too. Y'all have a great week. Great, great All right, John McClain, ladies and gentlemen, he's getting it done 
uh, at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. Um, all right. Hey, we got uh, we got great sponsors. We got Apple Leasing getting you into a new car. Um, and they lease every make and model of car, which makes it the unique new car experience you've probably never had before because normally you go to a dealership and you just get ready to get hammered by the salespeople to buy one of their cars. It's not going to happen at Apple Leasing. You you call them 3469977 and tell them, hey, I'm interested. Tell me more. They will. But I'll tell you, you pick any maker model of car. And you're not paying for the future trade-in value of that car because you're only paying for the car while you're driving it, which is the new part, under warranty. And that's where it just gets great because you're going to be in traffic. You need to be in a car you love. And how about a new car? Apple leasing. And then if you had a bad leasing experience in the past, it's probably because you leased from a dealership. And if you wanted to change make and model of car, you couldn't. Well, with Apple leasing, you lease two, three years in, you want to change make and model a car, no problem. The easy lease, everything about Apple leasing is easy. So just give them a call, 346-9977. Visit AppleLeasing.com. Tell them Chip Brown sent you and away you go. You'll be thanking me later. And look, Austin has some awesome things going on. We know that. Apple leasing is unique to Austin. So is Brain Vault. This is the mouth guard that your competitors need to be wearing because it is patented, proven to reduce the effects of concussion. So whether your competitor is playing flag football or lacrosse or cheerleading, they need a mouth guard that's going to protect them so that they can play hard, but play safe. And Brain Vault developed right here in Austin by Dr. Greg Eckert, Dr. U-E-C-K-E-R-T. Um, it's, it's all the rage it's in every high, you know, the high schools, the colleges in the NFL, it's everywhere. Bijan Robinson wears the brain vault mouth guard. So listen, get your competitors protected brain vault. And if you're the team coach manager, you just, they do group fittings and they'll come to you for group fittings. You just go to brainvault.com. Uh, to set up your appointment and um, and hey, it's the weekend. So cover three, be thinking about you need a great brunch spot or a place to watch the Texas basketball game tomorrow against T TCU. Um, cover three right there in Anderson Lane up in Round Rock off Old Settlers. Uh, cover two at 183 in Lake Creek. I mean, the food is fantastic. I love the food. The Sean Adams prime rib sandwich, the you know, the happy hour, but the brunch on the weekends, I always get the muffin tops, not the whole muffin, just the best part, the muffin top. And they got the do-it-yourself Bloody Mary bar. You're having a great time with your friends. Cover three. It's it's the best. And of course, my man, Tom McKay and audiovisual consultations, making sure that you have the best price on big screen. I mean, get the big screen of your dreams. And all you have to do is call 255-8678. Tom McKay and his crew are going to bring everything to you from the free consultation to installation. They do it all. You don't need to go shopping. They're going to bring you the best price on big screen, surround sound, electronic shades, surveillance, new lighting. Just call 255-8678. All right, Zay. Great conversation with uh, 
with John McClain. I'm so glad we got to bring up his movie career because he's a, he's a character and a character actor. And he's, you know, like I said, if you have, you know, watch the movie Cook County, it is wild. It's about the meth, you know, crazy people in East Texas um, hooked on meth and it's wild. And then you go watch Secretariat. He's in, he's in that. And then, of course, Spring Breakers, he told you about that. So John's a character, and the fact that he's covered the NFL for 40-plus years, um, he's, you can ask him anything. He, he he's got range. The guy's got range. You know what I'm saying? Got range. The guy's got range. Yeah. Um, I, I'll give a little – we'll do a little Texas football here in the chip shot because, um, you know, put the insider out on Thursday morning over at horns 24 7.com. And, uh, you know, winter conditioning is, is underway. Just give you a couple nuggets. Uh, but Isaiah bond apparently has already been, um, he's already busted 22 miles an hour. Um, uh, Aaron, uh, Butler, the other receiver who's, I mean, their receiver room, I'm so fascinated by the receiver room. It's ridiculous. But Aaron Butler, you know, from Calabasas, California, another 10 hundred guy, you know, 10 plus hundred guy, 10, I think he's 10, four. You already got Silas Bolden. You got Isaiah Bond breaking 22 miles per hour. Um, this receiver room is going to be the most exciting competition because you've got DeAndre Moore, Ryan Niblett coming back. You got Ryan Wingo coming in, Ryan Wingo. I was told everything we thought, quote, crazy fast, crazy long, crazy athletic. And that I'm just telling you that receiver room with Silas Bolden thrown in Matthew Golden from Houston it's insane. And Amari Nyblack, early returns on him. You know, we won't know anything about his physicality and ability to block until they put on pads. I don't listen to anything about that. But winter conditioning, I will pay attention to speed and to change of direction and work ethic. And another guy who's captured um, people's attention is Xavier Filsimi. This is a guy who's checking all the boxes athletically, but he's also picking things up quickly, showing kind of the same like Derek Williams ability to pick things up quickly. And his name came up the most of all the newcomers. So Xavier Filsimi, you know, you got Derek Williams at safety. You got Andrew Makuba. Um I think they're going to be okay at safety. You got Michael Taft. And so I think they're going to be okay at safety. And you know, I'm all about Malik Muhammad at corner and I'm here and he is stepping up as a leader. That's his nature. He's a, he's a lead by example guy, but he's also vocal. So you know, winter conditioning, like I said, we'll know more about the big guys in spring football, but the fast guys, the guys who have to be twitchy, that's, 
that's what I'm like paying attention to the most. And Xavier fills to me. Put that name down. Put that in the put that in your back pocket. Say. Yeah, I mean, there's tons of excitement when you got him to flip from Florida. You know, the McKinney native, that dude, he said, hey, you from the state of Texas? You want to go play at the University of Texas? He said that. And I think he has a lot of pride coming here. And you compare him to Derek Williams. People forget Derek Williams. He wasn't no early enrollee. He got here in the summer and picked up on things. So if Xavier Filsamy is – picking up on things already, and it's only February, who knows where he's going to be at come September. And, yeah, I'm right there with you. When it comes to the secondary and that safety group, when this past season it was the one vulnerable spot for the Longhorns, I think they're going to clean that up, and it's going to be a lot better than what we saw these past year. You know, I mean, Jaron Thompson, he had his moments. Keen Crawford, he had his. And we all know what happened with Jalen Catalan. But just that five-man rotation, you just couldn't find two guys to keep out there consistently. You thought you could, even Michael Taff and Derek Williams, even they had their mistakes. But I think when you add an Xavier Filsamy and you got Andrew Makuba coming along, playing at home, ATX native, went to LBJ. Hey, I think this is big for Blake Gideon, who I think deserves a chance to ride it out with this group. Like Blake Gideon, if you can't if you can't make it happen with this group, if this group struggles with all the talent that they have, then I might be at that point where all right, Blake, it might be your time to go. But hey, there's too much talent back there for those guys not to succeed. I'm very excited to see what the secondary, specifically the safeties, do in 2024. All right, well, let's get to the right call with my man Zay Collier. Yeah, man. Before we get to the right call, got to talk about some of our sponsors and BetUS. Super Bowl's coming, y'all. So y'all looking for a place to put that money down, the NFL playoffs. I know y'all probably lost some. Hey, don't, don't trip. All the prop bets and stuff, BetUS has got it covered. You know what I'm saying? You believe in Brock Purdy, BetUS, go ahead. If you believe in Patrick Mahomes, BetUS, go ahead. It is the best online sports book and casino out there. Game line props over and unders you name it they got it and not just the nfl nba picking back up doc rivers already 0-2 with the bucks so i bet against the bucks right now because it's doc rivers you can do that at bet us college basketball women's nhl the whole nine football i mean baseball is about to start up yo and if you're watching on youtube go to Hey, the link down there, y'all see it up there on the video description. Or if you're listening on the app, go to explore our socials. BetUS is the place to bet on sports. And got to give a shout out to old Covert BK. Been doing it in the greater Austin area for over a hundred years. You want to go to Covert BK if you got that hoopty, if you got that bucket, if you got that old just beat up pinto light car yo stop driving that thing you don't need to move on but covert bk they will hook you up beautiful 42 acres down there in the hill country seven terrific brands from chrysler gmc buick cadillac dodge jeep and ram covertbcave.com will let you know all the latest specials and inventory high quality selection of new and pre-owned vehicles when you check all of that out nobody beats a covert deal not now not ever 
All right, Chip, we all know before game days, whether that's the Friday before the Saturday games or during the game days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, wherever the Big 12 teams play and the Horns play, we change up the right call because I got to give my Zays player of the game prediction brought to you by Big Hat Spirits. Yo, I know January's over. That's okay because what we got at Big Hat Spirits with the margarita mocktails, it's worth it. It's worth staying dry. And even if you don't want to stay dry, you can sip a little something. They got that too. But the margarita mocktails, man, if you want to get that just cool experience, kick back and drink something healthy and very tasty because it's only 50 calories, mess with Big Hat Spirits. Zero alcohol mocktails with kombucha, sparkling water, real fruits and spices. They got the lime type salt. They got the chili lime salt that you can put on the rims to get it all nice and popping. And yeah, man, make sure you go get that big hat at our local HEBs around town or go to bighatspirits.com. They got all the information there. Get your big hat today. And my big hat player of the game prediction chip, I'm going with Tyrese Hunter. Tyrese Hunter, man. Tyrese, it's been a tough week. I know it's been a tough week because all Longhorn fans remember, I mean, you and I, we remember a lot more than that turnover that he had to end regulation, but that's hard to forget because that would have given the horns just a shot. I wouldn't say anybody would have made it, but you've got three game winners this year. I mean, I like the horns' chances, you know, at that point with where Houston was at. And Tyrese Hunter got caught in the air and threw a boneheaded pass to Houston. They didn't make anything happen. and went to overtime, and then we all know what happened. Very devastating loss that it feels like might come back to haunt them. Well, now you got to move on. If you're Tyrese Hunter, hey – Clear mind, you got to just think positive. There's a grand opportunity in Fort Worth tomorrow, and there's a lot of guards that are going to be going at you. Travion Tennyson, he's going to be going at you, bro. 45% from three-point line, that's a beautiful shot. Jameer Nelson Jr., we already talked about him. He going at you, all of those guys. You know, Avery Anderson, O'Bannon, they're going at you. They're going to continue to go at Max Acemas defensively, especially so they could tire out Max Acemas offensively, where he won't be able to put up much because he's being attacked so much off when he's having the guard. It's Tyrese Hunter. You got to be big, man. You got to be that next score. I mean, Kendall Weaver, we know what he's going to bring to the table, but at this point of his career, he has limitations. Tyrese Hunter has shown that he can knock down shots and make big shots in certain situations. It's just sometimes I don't know why he's just not in it offensively. And maybe it's because the ball's not in his hands more. He's playing way more off ball than he's ever have. Even last year with Marcus Carr, Marcus Carr was playing off ball a lot. Like Max Acemas is playing a ton on ball. So Tyrese Hunter, he looks like a shooting guard right now that's getting a lot of his points in the half-court game, which if you're Tyrese, like Coach Terry says, you want his defense to make his offense get going. So you want him to get those steals and get out and run on fast breaks where he can make moves and get to the bucket. He's best going downhill. I think he has to be aggressive tomorrow if the Horns have any chance. And his defense has to be on point. You know, there were some moments where as good as Jamal Shedd is, he was really breaking down Tyrese Hunter. Like, come on, you can't get broken down like that. You can't get Tim Hardaway, UTEP two-stepped and stuff. Like, stay in front. 
Tyrese Hunter's too quick, too athletic, and too talented to let guys like Jamal Shedd, as good as Jamal Shedd is, he might be Big 12 player of the year, to be rocking them like that. I think Tyrese Hunter is a way better player, and if he shows that, then the Horns have a chance. Now, there's obviously more to that. You need Brock to hit some shots and be good with the time he's giving you. IT Horton, if you can make anything, <laughs> if you could do, if you could give them anything, because you know he's gonna get double-digit minutes, you just know. You know what I'm saying? Coach Terry kind of tried to, you know, circle around the question when they asked him about Kendall Weaver. Does he deserve starting minutes? And he said, well, at the end of the day, Kendall Weaver, when it's winning time, he's out there. And, uh, okay. Well, that really, you want to ask him, hey, why is IT Horton playing so much? And it's because you ain't got nothing else on the bench. You can't play Chris Johnson no more. That's been proven. You know, Kendall Weaver, the way that he plays, if he played the minutes that Shea Holly played, Kendall Weaver would pass out on the court. He can't do that. Nobody has that Shea Holly, you know, <laughs> just not, not be able to get tired feel. So I, it's going to be a tough one tomorrow. I like Jamie Dixon's squad. They're one of those teams that definitely can make it to the second weekend of March and get to the Sweet 16. And hell, even the Final Four, you know, like they got that much talent. They have that much toughness. They rebound the ball well, you know, but ah, man, Dylan Mitchell, got to be huge. Dylan DeSue, everybody has to play well. Everybody has to play hard. You can't not play tough. No more BYU performances. You have to give that U of H type of effort every game if you don't give that type of effort and we saw what we saw in Provo then this team's in trouble I think they're going to give a good effort tomorrow because they're damn desperate and we'll see how the ball bounces Chip well my man IT Horton is in his sixth year of college basketball he started at Delaware he had a red shirt at Pitt. Then he played two seasons at Pitt. Then he went to UCF last season. And now he's at Texas. I would think after six years of college basketball that he would understand how to impact a game without offense. And that's what's frustrating i i don't hate on this guy i just it's rodney terry's call to apportion the minutes how it's best gonna set up his team for victory and look this this we talked about at the beginning of the show jerry palm cbs bracketology expert and by the way during our show jerry palm shifted Texas from last four in to first four out. Um, and, and so they're a bubble team and Palm told me there are four dozen bubble teams right now. And that to ensure yourself a spot in the NCAA tournament, you need to have at least a 500 record against quad one, quad two and quad three teams. And, Go to horns247.com. I tweeted it. You can go to my Twitter, Chip Brown247. Uh, it's a free story. And and check it out because it's it's a razor-thin margin for error for this Texas basketball team, but it's doable. 
Like if they can win the five games that they have at home, which is a big if considering, you know, they lost games at home that they were leading or could have, would have, should have won against Texas Tech and Central Florida. They've got to steal one on the road maybe. And like with those road games coming against TCU, Houston, Kansas, Texas Tech, and Baylor, the only two teams in that group who've lost a home game are TCU and Baylor. Houston, Kansas, and Tech are undefeated at home. So it's it's on. Like it may seem like a long way away, but it's not. And with 10 games to go, Texas has got to protect their home floor and they probably got to steal one on the road or else they're going to have to make a run in the Big 12 tournament, which is no guarantee. Yeah, um, they. I think they're an IL team. You know, as NIL. Team. Yeah, they're in IO or excuse me, NIT. Excuse, they're an IT team. <laughs> NIT yeah, they should have spent better in the NIL market to get out of the NIT. Uh, yeah, that's that's a thing. I mean, with AJ Johnson and Ron Holland decommitting, that set Coach Terry back, and they were kind of in scramble mode on the players that they need and the players that they brought on. Only Max Acemus has fit what the big 12 is and what it takes like Mac Smith, he's a top scorer of all time and he has his struggles with big 12 competition because of the lack of size that he brings to the table you know he plays hard you can't take him off the court and what he does offensively is very rare but he still has his weaknesses so when you bring in a Zirico Yemo, which he right now seems like a mid-major guy, Kendall Weaver, I'm sorry, Kendall Weaver deserves to be on this level. He deserves to be on this level. He's a Big 12 type player. But IT Horton, you're right, like six years and this is it. Like you, how hard are the classes you taking right now at UT? Is that it? You know, because I know the UT academics, it could be a little rigorous. <laughs> so I, I understand that. It's not for everybody. But damn, man, like – it can't, it can't be that stressful where you're not putting anything out there. And Brock Cunningham, he falls in that same line too, like six years, and you're not better than where you were four years ago, three years ago. You know, they need more from him. They need more from some of those guys that are coming off the bench right now that's not Kendall Weaver. And, yeah, it's just those athletic wings in the Big 12 from guys like Emmanuel Miller. You look at Kansas, they got a Kevin McCuller. You know, you look at Houston, Emmanuel Sharp is big and physical. There's guys like that everywhere. Iowa State has a few. Texas doesn't have those guys. They don't, they don't have those guys. Like Dylan Mitchell, he's not one of those just physical specimen type of dudes like that you need to survive in this league. He has his moments where he flashes that, but just not enough to where this team isn't a bubble team. So, yeah, they got to shock the world in some of these next few games where they're not going to be the favorite. And if they can, maybe they could finesse their way into the first four or maybe, you know, one of the last bubble seeds. But right now with TCU coming up tomorrow and the momentum that Jamie Dixon's team's playing with, not looking good, Chip. Not looking good. Yeah. Well, let's see what Terry Rodney Terry's got. Um, in terms of getting the most out of this team 
in this stretch run because it's six weeks. You got six weeks. That's a lifetime for a team to, to get it together, you know, but when Jerry Palm says Texas needs to go six and four over their last 10, then it's not a lifetime. It's now. And look, Last time we saw Texas on the floor against Houston, that second half was as good of a half as they've had all year. Now they got to carry it over. They got the sign of a well-coached team. I'm a broken record on this sign of a well-coached team is week to week improvement. And that's what we need to see. Yeah. Look, it can take a while. Whatever reason, you know, Caden Shedrick being injured all year, that's not, that, that's not gone the way Texas wanted. And thank God Dylan DeZoo came off the foot surgery and is is okay and thriving. And, and Acemas, he's a liability on defense, but he's done well in getting his own shot and putting up decent numbers, right? He's shooting 45% from the floor, 40% from three. Decent free throw shooter, um, eighty-eight percent free throw shooter, best on the. Well, no, Brock is ninety-three percent from the foul line. Uh, yeah, he takes like three a year, so that doesn't count. <laughs> Brock is fourteen of fifteen. Oh my god! Um, but look, free throw shooting is going to be a big deal down the stretch, and Texas missed some free throws against yeah. Houston, and. Yes, yeah, Fran Frasilla wasn't saying anything about Dylan DeSue shooting in the chair when he was missing both free throws. Like, that's Dylan DeSue. He's a way better shooter than that. He knows that. He can't be missing free throws, man. He can't be fouling either. He can't, he can't get into foul trouble. And that's the thing. Yeah. That's what the physicality, it makes him foul because Dylan DeSue, he's a tough guy, but he's, he's more finesse than he is physical. So when you play up against a team like Houston, they're going to get you in foul trouble because that's just their style of play. They're used to that. You know, if you try to mix it up and get rough down there, then it looks like a foul sometimes because you're not necessarily used to it the way they are. So he has to do a better job of not going for certain pump fakes, staying on the feet. And if, he could just stand straight up, put his arms up, and they shoot over the top of him and make it. So be it. But he has to stay on the floor. Him being in foul trouble at the end of the game, that was tough because Coach Terry can't afford to pull him out in the last four minutes because he has four fouls. Like, he has to do a good job of not fouling. And if he does, then the Horns, you know, success rate goes up. But, yeah, I – I'm looking at well, this like, schedule. I don't see them wins, man. <laughs> I, look at, I don't see them six. I look at Tyrese Hunter like I'm, I'm looking at his <clears throat> three seasons of college basketball. He was the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year his freshman year at Iowa State. And Rodney Terry said, you know, I think – Tyrese Hunter is best when he's just locked in defensively and his shooting percentage is up. Like he's shooting 48%. He's shooting um, 
36% from three, which is the best of his career. But his, you know, his steals are down and his his assists, he had 4.9 assists per game as a freshman. He's got 4.2 this year. Um, he was a little better rebounder his freshman year at Iowa State than he is now. But, you know, he's he's a guy who can make a big difference down the stretch yeah. with with his defense and his ability to get into people, you know, and that's what they need. That's right. what they need right now. Right. And like, that's the, with him, I feel like he's afraid to do that because he doesn't want to get in the foul trouble. Right. So he's not playing that D that we saw at Iowa state, which their defensive scheme, it might be different than what coach Terry's doing. I mean, TJ Ossenberger, yo, he might be big 12 coach of the year. Like that team, nobody had that Iowa State team to be one of the top squads in the Big 12 right now. Like no one. So that dude, he could coach a little bit, you know, and Roddy Terry still has a lot to prove. As good as that team was, I went to the Elite Eight. He did inherit that team. Like that still was Coach Beard's players. You know what I'm saying? So now you're starting from scratch and, hey, yeah, this is going to be the biggest six-week stretch of Ronnie Terry's career, and it should be a very interesting one. What up, Jeff? Jeff Parker. What's up? You got hey, me hi. How you doing, man? Good. Chip, sorry. Uh, I know I, I didn't see you Monday, so I got to say it now. Hate to bring it up again, but mm. congrats. Congrats to your lines on an awesome season, man. I know. Thank you. How, how are you feeling five days later, or I guess six days later now? I've been through the range of emotion. I I've been like tried to be appreciative, then I just got pissed. <laughs> I was kind of pissed for like three days. And now the Ben Johnson's staying. I'm feeling a little better. Then we had John Brown on Wednesday, and John Brown's like, Lions are gonna be good, man. They got a good, strong core nucleus of young players who are leaders they're not just me 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 guys you know Aiden Hutchinson Amon Ra yeah guys that really want to be there yeah Laporta so I'm Jameer Gibbs so I'm feeling better but yeah Dan Gamble (laughs) if I hear the word analytics one more time I'm gonna split my head open because it's like John McClain we had John McClain on today he's right like you can't just apply analytics point blank you're up against the 49ers who have one of the best front sevens in football. You can't keep tempting fate. You got to just take points against them. Like, yeah, you converted third and nine, third and 18, third and 12, third and 10 in the first half. That consider yourself, you know, you had a good run. Feel so, for the feel for the game matters. Yeah. Like yep. situational awareness. Like that's what analytics doesn't factor in is, Who's hot? Who's not having a great game? Is your offensive line blocking well? They're not blocking well. Like the momentum that could flip, which is exactly what happened. And then all of a sudden, you know, everything just snowballed from there. And then you give a team that good another chance. Like, yeah, the whole analytics thing is just, you know, there's a place for it. But when that's all you lean on is just we go for it every time it says G.O. on my on my Tom Herman binder, then, you know, that's that's what you end up getting. Right. Especially when it's like a differential of like 0.02% to go. So anyway, 
I'm Aggie's I gonna Aggie that. Barker. <laughs> Sorry to bring that up again. Yeah, you're no, right, Zay. Aggie's gonna Listen, Aggie. I want to be. I've 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 asked all of our guests this week their thoughts on it. It's pretty pretty consistent. Even John Brown was like, "I kicked the field goal," but you know, you just can't risk the momentum shift, which is what you just mentioned, and you know. You had everything going. Don't give them the momentum. Don't do it. Tom Herman did it up 10 against Iowa State with a chance to go to the Big 12 title game. Goes for a fake punt in the third quarter, and it all went to hell after that. It's like you're winning by 10. Just keep playing defense, doing the do, you know? But anyway. I'm surprised Tom Brown didn't say field goals are for pussies. (laughs) Nope. Uh, He was like – He's been good – He's been good. He hasn't yep. been going at anybody lately. Okay. Yep. So he's thinking about that. All right, y'all. Hey, before I leave, got to give a shout out to my man Franklin from the Peanuts, Charlie Brown's, getting his own spinoff show. We've made it. Happy Black History Month. We made it. Franklin getting that love he's deserved, baby. He's getting damn that time. love. We made it. <laughs> Wow, time. Now they're going to be using Franklin as Lamar Jackson for their pickup football games. Where mm. Lucy's pulling the ball from Charlie Brown. Now Frank is going to be there, Lamar Jackson, and hopefully they don't have a Todd Munkin calling the plays, and they let Franklin do what he does best, and that's run all over those peanuts. <laughs> and R.I.P. Carl Weathers, Apollo yeah. Creed, Chubb. Uh, Man. Yeah. Knox. All right, yeah. fellas. All right, y'all. Have a great weekend. Have a great weekend, fellas.